Acts chapter 8. I'm going to finish this series today on revival apologetics, and I want to talk about, well, I want to talk about several things in revival that happens. I'm going to continue this subject um, through today, and I started on something last week uh, about freedom from the demonic and freedom from darkness. I think I'm going to get into a little bit more of that today. So I'm going to zero in on that because I feel like it's expedient that I explain a few more things with that. And then I also want to talk about how revival transforms a city. Look at your neighbor, tell them city transformation. Come on, if the only people who like what's going on are the ones who are sitting in your house, you miss the whole purpose of revival. God didn't just send the move of God so we can have a great services on Sunday. How many know God sent a move of God so we can transform some things in the earth? Say amen, somebody. And so today I want to talk about city transformation. I'm going to see what kind of trouble I can get in today. And I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 1. And I get always, you know, these little emails from... Uh, people with no name and uh, you don't bother me but I believe that when you begin to preach the truth from the Word of God and you begin to talk about things that are not frequently talked about people often accuse you of being weird the reality is the church has gotten so subnormal that if we ever get normal, people will accuse us of being abnormal. And today, I want us to talk about what true and authentic revival does for a city and what happens when it hits. If you don't know this, you're sitting in a house that four years ago, a revival hit this place. I'm talking about a revival that turned my life upside down. I was standing right there in that spot in the altar on a Sunday morning when out of my right ear I heard the audible voice of God and the Lord said to me two words and they shook me then and they shake me now. God said, watch this. That was the Sunday before the Super Bowl when he said that to me and the next Sunday a 90 day revival hit this house. This church went from 200 people to over 900 people on this campus in a matter of weeks. Now, if you don't think revival's real, you came too late to talk me out of believing it. And if you don't think it's real, you came to the right place for me to talk you into believing it. Because I believe that before Jesus comes, there will be a church that is not dried up has-beens or washed up wannabes. There is going to be a people on this planet full of the Holy Spirit and know the truth and exercise their authority. And everywhere they go, they will put the devil out of business. I still believe that. Hallelujah. And I want to preach about revival this morning and I want to preach about what happens when it hits a city. And I want you to look at Acts chapter 8 verse number 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. 
Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7, for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy. Oh, I'm getting ready to get happy today. There was great joy in that city. There was great joy. You can't be a joy hater and join the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. How many know when, jo when Jesus comes to a city, how many would agree joy comes to the city as well? So I'm going to preach about the city of Samaria, but I want to prophesy to Chattanooga on my way to preaching about Samaria. Because I just believe God is getting ready and has already begun to set the city on fire. And I prophesy, decree, and declare, joy is coming to this city in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. God, help me to preach today. Help the people of God to receive it today. I pray that you'll watch over this message and the preaching of it. I pray that the power of God would be on this house. Father, I don't know what's in the frequencies and the bandwidth, but straighten that mess out because I got something to say in here today and I don't need nothing distracting me while I say it. So let the preaching go forth with power in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Acts chapter 8 in my estimation of understanding scripture is a blueprint and a strategy for transforming a city. In fact, one of the greatest city transformations that ever occurred happens here in Acts chapter 8. In the entire Bible, I don't know that there is a greater transformation that occurred and was attributed to an entire city than here in Acts chapter 8. An entire city gets turned upside down by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now I think it's important that you and I understand the means by which we came to this city-wide transformation. And it doesn't begin with something that you and I would uh, at first think it would come through, but the means by which this city was transformed was persecution. Because you understand that the city would have never had a preacher come to it had persecution not first come to the church. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before Jesus stepped on a cloud and went back to heaven, he looked at his disciples and he said to his apostles, tarry in Jerusalem and wait until you are endued with power from on high. And when you have been endued with power from on high, you will be witnesses. Look at your neighbor, slap them and tell them witnesses, witnesses. You will be witnesses of me, watch this, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The intent of Christ 
for the church was to begin preaching the gospel and it spread like fire to the nations of the earth so that all men, nations, tribes, tongues, cultures, and creeds could hear the good news and turn to Christ and live. But if you study carefully Acts chapter 1 through verse through Acts chapter 7, you will see that by, for the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, the church goes nowhere. The church gets comfortable at Jerusalem. The church gets comfortable in her success and, and in her growth. And we see nothing happening in terms of outreach for the first seven chapters of Acts. And in chapter 8, something crazy happens. Persecution comes, haters show up, and Paul, who used to be Saul, Saul begins to persecute the church, and he begins to throw Christians in prison. And in fact, the religious crowd becomes so maniacal that they even stoned a man named Stephen in the, sixth cha in the seventh chapter of Acts, and Saul was there attending the death of Stephen and the Bible is very clear that when Stephen was killed the church was thrown into turmoil and chaos and persecution arose in the church and everybody scattered and ran for their life. Now you and I would be quick to rebuke the devil for persecution, but I want to show you the sovereignty of God. Even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of, of, of anger against the church, even when the haters showed up to try to destroy the church, something crazy happened. God used the persecution of the enemy to thrust the body into different places and locations, and now the devil's got a real problem. Problem. Instead of one church in Jerusalem, there are church people all over the all over the land that are beginning to witness and preach the gospel everywhere they go. As I was preparing for this, I read a story about a fisherman who was really, really fed up with catching starfish. They were, they were trying to overtake this particular area he was fishing. So he caught these starfish and he would cut them up into pieces. And he was mad at the starfish. He would cut the starfish up in pieces and throw them back in the water. What he didn't know is that when he cut them up, everything that was a star that was used to be a starfish, it just repopulated and kept on living and it become another starfish. Every piece he cut up just grew into another starfish. It's just like that for the devil. It's like that for Satan. It's like that for the enemies of God's people. You try to kill us, but every time you try to kill us, we just multiply because Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Persecution even becomes fuel for the advancing of the kingdom and the increase and the growth of the church. And in the eighth chapter of Acts, we see this happening. We see that God uses persecution. Did God send the persecution? No, but did he use it? Yes, because all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. And Satan tried to put them out of business, but in the midst of trying to run them out of business, he actually multiplied the business platform. Hallelujah. The Bible says that one of these men who were scattered in the in the scattering. Mm. Now, let me tell you, there's two kinds of scattering. There's the kind of scattering where you get rid of something. 
right? There's the kind of come on if you if you if you're trying to if you men in here are trying to clean, and and your wife said your wife said did you did you dust? Yes, I dusted. I just scattered the dirt from one place to another. Come on, somebody. It's just like you got rid of it. You just wiped it away. That's one kind of scattering. When you scatter ashes or remains of your family, you just scatter them to get rid of them. But that's not the word for scattering here in Acts 8. When the Bible said the church was scattered, it was not just a meaningless scattering. It was a sowing. Oh, come on, somebody. It, it was. It, have you ever had to get out in your yard and you, had to sow, and you had to sow some more seed and you put it in a spreader? Oh, come on in here. And you got this little trigger. I don't know how yours is but I got this little this little green thing you I don't know what that thing is called it's a seed sower and you put seed in it and you walk around and you can you can pull the trigger Bill my yard guy helps me here elder and you pull this orange trigger and you wind this thing up and everywhere you walk it just throws seed everywhere and you just scatter seed everywhere that's what the devil became for the church he tried to kill the church but he really became a scatterer for the church he just threw them everywhere and when they got to where they were going the only thing they knew to do was to open up the Bible and start preaching Jesus so they just get scattered everywhere and they start preaching Jesus and now the whole world's got a problem because you've got preachers everywhere. And one of them preachers that got sent out was a man. A man named Philip. Let me preach a, a couple of M's right here. If you're taking notes and want a sermon, here's your five-point sermon. Let me give you one real quick. Number one is the man because anytime God wants to start something, he'll find a man or a woman. You believe in women preachers, you better believe it. You heard her this morning. She already been preaching. Whether you believe in it or not, it already hits you. You might as well receive it. God can use a donkey to get a message across. He can definitely use a man or a woman. Come on in here, somebody. When God ever gets ready to start something, he always starts with a man or a woman. God will always find somebody willing to accept the mission and go somewhere no one's ever been before and do something no one's ever done because when God gets through with that thing, he's going to get the glory out of it for what happens in that place. I just thank God today. I thank God that he doesn't always look for the qualified. He looks for the available. There's some of you in here today, God would use you if you didn't think you were so qualified. In fact, the reason he can't use you is because if he did, you would act like you deserved it and he can't help nobody who thinks they're, they're the next one. But I'm going to tell you right now, you find somebody who thinks that they have nothing to offer except availability. You find somebody who thinks their past disqualifies them and they have no hope for a future. God will raise up the foolish things of this world and start using and people you and everybody else wrote off because God said I'm not looking for somebody who knows how I'm looking for somebody who'll be faithful just to show up and do what I tell them to do look at your neighbor tell them be available be available be available you don't have to be the best dressed you don't have to be the most eloquent you don't have to be the greatest speaker you don't have to be the most educated you didn't have to be most likely to succeed all you got to do is be available if you just show up God will show up through you a man went down to the city of Samaria now Samaria is interesting to me because 
I'm not sure, and I know it's just a couple of passages, and if you read it quickly, you'll miss the significance of it, but Samaria's in a mess. Samaria's got witches and warlocks, and it's got root workers, and it's got soothsayers, and they got, they got sorcerers and all kind of evil people sitting in the city. They got people that are full of the devil, and they've, they've gone way deep into this mysticism mess because that, they now got certain strands of sexuality and religion being crossed over. And you've got this weird, how many know it gets weird and funky when you get with the devil? Come on in here. I said, how many know the devil will take you on a trip sometimes? Have you ever met somebody that was so messed up and you said, the only way a person can get that jacked up is if they're running with the devil? <laughs> Samaria is that kind of city. Samaria is a mess. There's mysticism and sorcery. There's demonic garbage all over the city. And I want you to look at what the text says. Pay very careful attention to the text. It'll teach you something here. The Bible said that there were many in the city who had demons. Don't miss the three minis. There were many who had demons, many who had palsy, which is paralysis, and many which were lame. Read the text. Many, three minis. There were three, there were three groups of people, and there were many people in the city who had demons, many who had paralysis, which means they couldn't move their body, and many who were lame, which means they could not move their legs. Now, there's two, there's two layers of this. Don't miss it. The first layer is the physical layer. They were, they were literally paralyzed physically, and they were literally lame physically, which means they couldn't go nowhere. But how many know that when you get the devil in your city, everybody gets stuck? You can't go nowhere. You're paralyzed. People don't get no joy. People don't advance. People don't grow up. People don't mature. People don't get up out the bed. People don't get up out of their problems. People don't get, I don't know who I'm preaching in here today to, but I just want to tell you that it is just like the devil to set up a shop in a city and paralyze people and make people lame and to fill people with darkness. That, that city, Samaria, was filled with darkness. Witches, warlocks, soothsayers, root workers, sorcerers. They had set up camp in that city and darkness was everywhere you looked. And here comes Philip. Fresh out of a move of God, all he got is a word, and he's getting ready to go into a, a, a this is crazy. Samaria is not even a place they sent people. Because, you know, the Jews don't even like the Samaritans. Oh, and I wish I had time to preach on prejudice right here. I think I will. I might as well. When real revival hits the city, God will tear down doors and walls around places that folk used to would never go to and he'll open up an opportunity to go minister in those places and I'm going to tell you how you test the authenticity of your walk with God. Are you willing to go where you used to would never go to because God has changed you in such a way that now you're willing to go love people who are unlovable. So he goes down to Samaria. And when he gets to Samaria, he begins to do one thing. Read the text. The Bible said he preached Christ to them. Jesus works. Well, I might as well go home. That's all I got to say right there. Jesus still works. 
I don't know why in the world we sit up late at night, wake up early in the morning trying to concoct some new formula and come up with some new equation to build the church. The preaching of Christ is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. I'll tell you what this world's sick and tired of. They're tired of churches offering everything but Jesus. Like the Greeks who came to the temple and they wanted to see the Lord, they came, the Greeks came and said, Lord, sir, that we may see Jesus. I don't want to see your, your stuff. I don't want to see your bells and whistles. I don't want to see your dog and pony show. I want to see Jesus. Can, oh, God, help me today, Lord. Can you just take me to the one who I've heard preached? Can you take me to the one who overcome death, hell, and the grave? I just want to see Jesus. Church, the equation is Jesus Christ. Nothing less and nothing more. I tell you today, if the church doesn't preach, how can you preach a message and not say the name of Jesus? Oh, Wallace, you're just picking and stirring it up. I'm trying to fix something. You can't preach a message that brings hope to the hopeless. You can't pre preach a message that brings healing to the sick. You can't preach a message that brings deliverance to the bound and not preach his name. There is no salvation given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. His name alone has the power. We've gotten in this Jesus plus, Jesus and. I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus plus, it will be Jesus only. I'm going to preach today. I said it'll be Jesus only. He's the only way, the truth, and the life. Philip came to a demon-oppressed city and did one thing. He started preaching Christ. And look what happens when a man preaches Jesus. Glory to God. When he started preaching Jesus, the multitudes, verse 6, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip. Don't miss the next phrase. Hearing and seeing. I want to preach to you today that when you preach the right message, you'll see the right thing. Well, we don't see no miracles. When's the last time you preached Christ? Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you preach Jesus under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, faith starts rising and people who are bound start getting set free. Now, why are we preaching such a message, Pastor? We all know this. We think we know this, but we must be reminded lest we by some beguiling thing turn our attention, focus, and adoration away from the risen Son of God who is Jesus Christ. I will periodically, as long as my days are, walk to this pulpit and remind this house to preach Christ. Live Jesus. If you preach his name and if you love his word, he'll do what he said he would do every single time. Jesus was preached in Samaria and when they heard the message preached, the whole city started paying attention to what Philip was saying. There was not only a message being preached, 
there were miracles being manifested. When you preach the right message, these signs shall follow those that believe. How can they believe unless they hear? When you start preaching the good news, faith starts rising. When a man or a woman hears the word of the Lord, that's why we preach every Sunday. Why do you preach every Sunday? Because I wake up on Sunday morning, I can't wait to get to church. You don't have to drag me here, baby. I didn't get here late to leave early. I couldn't wait to get here because somebody, oh God, I feel him getting on me right here. Thank you, Lord. Somebody came today and they don't know who he is. Somebody came today just messing around with religion, thought you might drop by and fulfill your religious quota, but you're gonna mess around and hear something in a minute that's going to cause something to wake up on the inside of you. Yeah, oh yeah, there's something down on the inside of you. Some of you don't even know it's there, but the one that created you stuck it in you when he made you. Before your mama ever met your daddy, God saw you and he knew he had a purpose for your life. And what I came today to tell somebody is that you've just been waiting for an alarm to come by and wake that thing up on the inside of you and I'm preaching to you today. You've been sitting here snoring through my sermon, but God about to wake you up. God's about to shake your life. God's about to cause faith to come alive. Oh God. And when you begin to believe something is going to begin to shift in your life. Somebody's coming to life today. He preached Jesus and when you preach Jesus message of Christ is always followed by the miracles of Christ. You ready for this, Catherine Kuhlman? I believe in miracles. Hey, Catherine! I do too! I still believe in miracles! I not only believe in them, I am one. I'm a walking, living, breathing, moving miracle. He brought me, he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Slap your neighbor, tell your neighbor you're sitting by a miracle. If the devil would have had his way, I'd have lost my way. If the devil would have had his way, I'd be dead by now. But I'm a walking, living, breathing, moving miracle. Look what the Lord has done in my How? Sit down. He preached Christ and the whole city came to hear. Now the whole city's under darkness, full of devils. He preaches Jesus. Miracles start happening and the Bible even tells you what they are. Demon-possessed people. Here we go. Checking your watch. Warm the car up, Beth. Get the van warmed up, Jimmy. He's talking about demons again. I told you last week, I'm not hunting for them. I'm not on a demon search. I'm on search for the Lord. But when he shows up, darkness manifests. Because darkness doesn't want to give up its place. And And when Jesus shows up, he comes to plant his stake in your heart and tell the devil you can't have him and you can't have her. They're going to belong to me. 
this. When you preach Jesus and he shows up and starts saving people, demon-possessed people start getting delivered. Well, I don't believe in that. Then you don't believe in the whole gospel because one-third of his ministry was dedicating delivering people from demonic spirits. He said in Luke chapter 4, the anointing is on me to build a boys club and a girls club and to build some cool thing down the road. No, that's not what he said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm in Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, when he stood up in a synagogue, opened the Bible, and began to read from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to recover sight to the blind, don't miss it, and to set at liberty them that are bruised and deliverance for the captives. If you don't preach and administer deliverance to people in captivity, you're not operating in the fullness of the gospel. And here's what happens. When you start preaching Jesus, he moves in. And when he moves in, he'll come and he'll put his flag in every heart. And the devil will start saying, now wait a minute. She's been mine for 20 years. Wait a minute, I had him bound for 15 years. You can't just come in and throw me out. And that's exactly what happens when Jesus shows up. He'll come in and take over. I said Jesus will come in and take over. There are not multiple bedrooms in the house of your, heart, of your heart that you can divide up, one for Jesus and one for my little darkness thing that I still deal with. No, no, no. When you let Jesus in, baby, he walks through every hallway. He walks through every bedroom. He walks through the living room. The ha- Come on, somebody. He sweeps the whole thing down and said, I'm here not just to take sides. I'm here to take over. This is my house. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I don't care how long you have haven't had Jesus, when he shows up, he takes over. Now here's the thing. When Jesus comes in to take over, the devil who used to have those people doesn't like what it feels like to be evicted. So do you know what the devil does on his way out the house? Screams. Read the Bible. The whole city was filled with shrieks and screams. I wish there was a cool way. I thought for three hours last night, what is a cool way to preach this text? How can I be relevant? (laughs) There is nothing, I, I almost wore tight blue jeans and a plaid shirt with my boots. Yeah, yeah, my Louis Vuitton boots with checkers on the side. I almost wore my cool clothes to make this sermon as cool as possible. There's nothing you can say to make this cool. The devil had people bound. Jesus showed up and set them free. And when he showed up and set them free, on the way out the door, the devil started letting out a scream. Well, why did people scream in church? Because the devil is packing his bags and he's getting out of people's I feel like preaching in here. Some of you, I don't know what your problem is today, but I want to tell you if Jesus ever shows up, the devil's got to pack his U-Haul up and get out. You can make any kind of noise you want to, devil, on the way out, but you're going to let him go in the name of Jesus. 
Let me teach. For people that are nervous right now, Jesus always wins. Well, I don't know. Going down there, it gets a little wild. It's going, there are going to be some Sundays, somebody in your zip code where you're sitting, somebody's going to scream. Chill. Just relax. Jesus got this. Don't get scared. The fact that the devil started screaming is an indication he knows he just got his eviction notice. How? I feel like jumping on one foot all across the front of this altar. I want to tell you right now when Jesus shows up, when Jesus' name is glorified, when his word is preached and declared, when the power of the Spirit of God starts moving, chains start breaking, yokes start getting destroyed. And so sometimes people are going to scream. How do you respond to that? You don't have to grab your weave and your purse and scoot down. You don't have to run to the car. Jesus is in the house. And before it's over with, those people screaming are going to get changed. Now, this thing about it, when, when you talk like this, people immediately begin to think, oh, you're trying to create this. Please hear me. I'd love it if nobody ever hollered and screamed out like that blood-curdling scream. But I've been doing this long enough to know now when the Holy Spirit shows up, darkness begins to surface. It gets scared. Luke chapter 9, Jesus is up on a mountain of transfiguration with, with his, several of his disciples. He's glowing in the dark. He's being transfigured. He comes down off the mountain, Luke chapter 9, that's where this is. And the Bible said the next day he went down into the valley off the mountain and a man came running up to Jesus and said, my, my child has this demon. And sometimes it throws my child into the fire. It throws him into the water. It's trying to destroy him. And then the man, then the man starts telling on the disciples. He said, and I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything with this devil. Can't you see the disciples? Thanks, dude. I thought we were tight. Come on. He said, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything for him. And Jesus, I always had time to teach this. Jesus turns around, looks at them, and says, these kind only come out by prayer and fasting. He was not talking about the demon. He was talking about the unbelief. <laughs> Because I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to fast 40 days to get authority over a devil. You just got to know who you are in Christ. The problem is not authority. The problem is unbelief. And if you ever want to get into a place of faith so that you can cast the devil out, you got to get rid of unbelief. And sometimes you got to starve that demon out. I'm going to keep going. Never mind. He, 
he looks at the boy, and when the boy, who was full of the devil, sees Jesus coming, read the text, this is in Luke chapter 9, the boy falls down and starts convulsing. Why do people convulse? Because the devil knows he's in trouble. I'll never forget this moment in my life. I've told this story a couple times. We were in the old gym over at Udawa. The glory of the Lord came in that place that day, and I'm laying on my face, and... and uh, I get up and I'm worshiping and Devin's laying on her face. And while Devin's laying on her face and I'm up worshiping, somewhere about four rows back and I'm down here, you know, stages here and I'm worshiping God and I hear the loudest blood-curdling scream I've ever heard in my life. Four or five rows back. My hair stood up on my neck. I turned around and a woman with maybe three teeth in her whole head, eyes rolling back in her head, foam coming out of her mouth. Now, I had just left a church growth conference. They suggested to me, this is a true story, at a roundtable discussion, you should move all activity like that to a side room. Otherwise, you'll run off first-time guest. So, this was like the day before this happened, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I got to get this out of here. This woman is screaming. Not only are they freaking out, I am, and I'm the pastor. So I need to figure out where I'm going to remove her so that she doesn't freak out my first-time guests. Because if the church is going to grow, we have to make everyone feel comfortable and provide an explainable experience that everyone knows how to make sense of. So she's screaming. Foam is coming out of her mouth. Eyes are rolling back in her head, and people look at me like, what do you want to me to, what do you want us to do? And I just start walking. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Zippity doo da, zippity day. My oh my. Okay. This is a true story. Devin gets up out of the floor. She gets up with that look. Y'all ever seen that look? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. She gets up with that look and she goes, God just spoke to me. I was like, okay, great. What did he say? She said, there's a demon-possessed person in this house somewhere. And I said, I know. Now, this is, this is years ago. This is 10 years ago when I'm trying to find out who I'm going to be in life. I'm working through my ministerial development program. I'm trying to figure out if we're going to be Pentecostal or seeker-friendly or what we're going to be. And I thought, I told Devin, I said, she's a woman. You go pray for her. She's a woman. She's got the, you got that, girl. Jesus. Devin grabs my hand and drags me back there. True story. This woman is showing out in church. Now, let me say something to you. I will not ever permit a demon to take center stage in this house, ever. If you don't shut up when we tell you to be quiet, I'll take you out of this room. Well, Brother Wallace, why? Because there are 1,000, 1,400 other people that are trying to hear the message and your dog and pony show devil are not going to take the center stage. That's just how it is. Devin, I'll never forget it. Devin went up to that woman and laid hands on her belly and said, lay hands on her head. I said, okay. 
and they began to pray, that woman got delivered from the devil, dropped to her feet, and when she got up about 45 minutes later, she was speaking in tongues and had been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've also been in a situation where they, the, the person was so out of control, and I think some of the elders that were here were involved in this. I was in the middle of preaching, and a woman, another woman stood up screaming, and they prayed for her, but they took her to, we, we, we actually formed a deliverance room. And they took her to this room, Bill Kelly's old office, and they took her back there, and they were praying for her, and I got through preaching, and the power of God got through moving that day, and we getting ready to go, and they come and got me, they said, they're still praying for that woman, Devin wants you to come in there and pray. I thought, my God, I just got through preaching. Can somebody give the man of God a break? I just want a break. I walk in the door. When I walk in the door, this is a true story. There are six people praying for this woman. She is laid down facing that way. I open the door. She's looking that way. I open the door real quietly. And when I come in, she bowed up like a plank. Y'all know what a plank is? Like a rigid, hard piece of wood. She bowed up and lifted her head. She's laying on the floor. I'll never forget it. She bowed up and lifted her head up and looking that way, not having any clue, I walked in the door. She lifted her, that devil said out of her mouth, Kevin Wallace, I hate you. Now, some of you cool people, who can't believe that, my hair stood up. And Devin looked at me and she goes, I didn't tell her. <laughs> See, here's the thing about it, y'all. Some of us have a really difficult time believing in supernatural things. That's why we see so little supernatural. We really don't have faith for it. This woman is laid out in a plank, she bows up and she said, Kevin Wallace, I hate you. Now, two years ago, I would have said, oh, she hate, the devil hates me. I'm going to die. My God, what's wrong? You know, something. And when she said that, something rose up on the inside of me. I said, devil, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth and don't say another word. I'm going to tell you, that woman got delivered that day. It wasn't because I came in the room. It was because Jesus came in the room. For, I need to say this because I didn't know why, but I know why now. God kept pointing out two people to me. One was Lazarus and one was Mary Magdalene this week. I preached on Lazarus last week and I haven't preached on Mary Magdalene in some time. But if you're not careful, you will disqualify people who used to be bound from ever sitting at your table. Okay, let me rewind that. Lazarus was dead for four days and in grave clothes. Yet... In chapter 12, he was sitting at the table with Jesus. Now, how are you going to ever get so delivered that you go from being bound and in grave clothes to sitting at the table with Jesus? Because when Jesus saves you thoroughly and delivers you completely, you're qualified to sit down at any table with anybody. Well, they can never serve in this church. Did you remember that service a couple months ago when they screamed out? They got real problems. You better be careful because Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene and she was the first one at the tomb and was a, y'all not hearing what I'm telling you. 
Here's what I feel like telling somebody. Just because you were jacked up in your past doesn't mean you don't get to sit at the table. If you've ever had the devil, if you've ever been full of darkness and Jesus ever set you free, I want to tell you to come on, sweetheart. Come on, sir. There's room for you in this house. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. If the sun makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Somebody ought to take a praise break right there and praise the Lord. Hey! Jesus set them free. And his freedom is the only thing you need to qualify, be qualified enough to sit at the table. Now let me get back to Acts 8 and I'm going to be through. They began to minister healing and deliverance. And the whole city you could hear walking through Samaria the sound of demons coming out. Imagine that. Don't, don't, don't get weird on me. Don't think I'm weird, but just imagine going to your workplace on Monday and the power and person of Jesus getting so real in this city that everything with a devil or that was having a devil in your workplace started screaming out and getting delivered. People, I see faces right now. I know that sounds crazy and far-fetched, but there was literally a sound of deliverance in the city. My point is this. Don't get bent out of shape if you hear something or see something that you never heard or seen before. Sometimes deliverance is temporarily messy. Can you imagine taking grave claws off Lazarus? Rigor mortis had set in, y'all. Four days dead, his body was stinking, it was all matted up, and Jesus says, now I did the part of resurrecting him, you go up to him and take off the grave clothes. Amen. Well, who wants to take off a dead man's grave clothes? Sometimes deliverance is temporarily messy. Are we too bougie in this house? Uh oh, here we go. Brother Wallace, we saw the lights on the internet and we thought this was a cool church. We got you, didn't we? Yeah, we got you. You thought, you thought it was about the dog and pony show. You didn't understand. We just used this to reach a crew and a crowd and a generation that is touched by things they see. But baby, don't ever get this thing messed up in your mind. We know where the power comes from. It doesn't come from a swirling light. It don't come from a smoke machine. It don't come from an LED screen. Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread on top of serpents, scorpions, and all such manner of the enemy. I still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't you ever get this thing mixed up. I need him on Sunday. I need him on Monday. I need him on Tuesday. I need him on Wednesday. I need him Thursday and Friday. And I need God. Hallelujah. And when a revival happens and you start preaching Jesus, demons have to come out. And demons have to come off. And I, I, I know last week I got some folk nervous. I'm almost done. I'm finished this. I got some people nervous when I start talking about demons and Christians. 
because I said it as clear as a preacher could say it. And some of y'all still, not y'all, y'all. Out there. Did he say a Christian can have a demon? I didn't say he could be possessed. But you can have whatever you want to have. And if you open up the door, your heart lets something in. I don't care if you call it possession or not. If you hang out with darkness, it's going to get in you before it's over with. And that's what's wrong. We, we, have come, we got so sappy with grace that now we just live any old way. But listen, y'all, I know there was some legalism I had growing up, but I'm going to take it. Because those saints, if they thought it would pollute their spirit, they'll put on their Reeboks and run. I just want him. When's the last time you took inventory of what you want? Do you want him, Jesus? They were preaching and proclaiming Christ and demons were coming out, watch this, and people who were lame. Do you know what happens when you're lame? You get stuck. Do you know what happens when you start preaching Jesus? People who are stuck get unstuck. Come on, slap your neighbor and tell them God's about to unstuck you. preach Christ and all these people are getting delivered and you're walking through different places in the city and you just hear demons coming out of people they're screaming nobody freaks out nobody goes crazy nobody leaves the church oh this church too too deep too serious too much wild stuff going on the devil is real and a church that does not administer deliverance and I'm not talking about making a dog and pony show and I'm not talking about creating something or hunting something I'm talking about dealing with it when it shows up Watch this, watch this. An entire city gets set free and healed. Wait, wait a minute. This whole party started over one dude. One man turned the whole city upside down. Philip went into Samaria and started preaching. And God gave him favor and the whole city got turned upside down. One man! Me and my little prayer group, you know, Brother Wallace, we, we just can't get a breakthrough. Some ain't right. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed them old saints, when they used to pray, they didn't have to talk in tongues for hours. They just said a few words in tongues and stuff started shifting. They had that prayer wheel already turning. Here's the point. I'm closing. When the Spirit of God begins to move and show up in this city, there might be some times, y'all, where the devil on his way out of people's lives Amen. causes them to scream, convulse. All of this is scriptural. Amen. This is not just psychological. It is spiritual. Now, I know there are some times, and I've seen some people, you know, you know how I can test, and I do test, when somebody acts like they're full of the devil and I can't discern what it is, you know what I do? I walk up to them, I say, shut up. You say, you shouldn't do that. Oh, yeah. If it's the devil, they won't shut up that easily. Amen. If it's foolishness and flesh, that's the, I never will forget. One time a man was screaming and acting a fool. I walked up to him and said, be quiet. He goes, okay. <laughs> that ain't the devil. That's confusion. 
And that quick, that man found out he don't have a devil and I ain't going to have to go through your dog and pony show. Come on, somebody. I said, be quiet. Shut that up. We don't do that. He said, okay. And he didn't do that anymore. So sometimes you just got to find out what you're dealing with. But sometimes the devil is really binding people's lives. Those lives are the reason Jesus came. And if you and I don't have time to deal with those lives, we need to go sell car insurance. Because Jesus didn't give us an anointing for us. He gave it to us for them. And then here he goes. Everybody gets free. Everybody gets healed. Demons have been evicted. Ready for this? And the pinata breaks. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. The pinata breaks and candy flies everywhere and joy breaks out in the city. Can you imagine what it was like the week before revival broke out? Walking around in Eastern mysticism and demons and sorcery and all kind of witches and warlocks doing their thing. And then after revival breaks out, you walk through the city and smiles are on faces. And people got true joy on the inside. And people are laughing. And they used to be bound up by darkness. That's why if you can't tolerate joy, I question if you found the king. Because when the king finds you and you find the king, you'll get some joy in that life. And God will turn you upside down. Frowns get turned upside down. Come on, somebody. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Come on in here. God wants to give the city of Chattanooga joy. And he'll do it often, sending revival. And revival has a temporary, help me, Brian. Revival has a temporary mess about it sometimes. Whenever we started having revival, we had to, we had to move schedules around. We had to flip schedules and we had to shift some things on the calendar. We had canceled some things and we had to explain some things we had people who was wondering what in the world's going on I had to talk to a lot of people during revival because some some people had never seen demons come out of people and if listen if you ever get delivered from darkness or demonic things don't you ever let the devil that came out of you try to come back and lie to you and tell you you're so messed up because of those people remember what you did listen if God can use Mary Magdalene after he cast seven devils out of her, everybody's got hope. Everybody's got hope. So, listen, I don't know how dark and messed up. Some of, there are people in this room today who have messed with witchcraft. Some of y'all are like, are y'all sitting next to me? Put my things in here. Come. Don't be breaking out no Ouija board on me, right? So there are people in here who mess with witchcraft. I'm telling you right now under the authority of God, you better quit that mess because you will open up your heart to something you don't know how to deal with. But I want to make sure I signal hope for every heart today. If you feel bound, if you know you're bound, and you cannot free yourself, Jesus is the great emancipator. He will set you you free stand with me through preaching bow your heads and if you're in this house today and you say Pastor Kevin I need Christ to save me
I want Christ to save me. I need him to forgive me of my sins. I want him to cleanse my heart. Somebody in this room today, you know that you're not ready to meet God. You know that. And everybody that can, just hang on with me for three more minutes. Just give me three more minutes here. A little bit too much movement here. Stay still with me just a second because somebody may need to come to Christ. If you're in this room today and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I need to come to Christ and I need him to forgive me and save me. And I know I'm not right with God and I know my heart needs forgiveness and I want God to save me today. I'm going to count to three for you, sir. I'm going to count to three for you, man. And if you want Jesus to save you, when I say three, lift your hand so I know who to pray for. I want to pray for you today. Jesus will save you. I don't care what you've done and how long you've been doing it, how messed up you feel. Jesus Christ will save you today. When I say three, lift your hand if I'm talking to you. And let's pray together. One, two, three. Right now, lift your hand. I need salvation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. I see your hands. You can put them down. God bless you. Everyone, look at me real quick. There's a person on your left and on your right. You may have known them your whole life. You may have never met them before you came to church today. But if you would help me and be the hands and love of God extended to your neighbor, I want you to look at them in just a second. No matter how long or short you've known them, just ask them this question. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have, when they ask you that question, if you'll just take them by the hand and come stand with me in this altar, Jesus Christ is going to save you after we pray. While we pray, Jesus will save you and forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. Heaven can be your home. Ask your neighbor right now, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, come stand with me. They'll come with you. You don't have to come alone. God bless you, sir, for coming. God bless you, sir, for coming. Come on. People are already coming. You can come too. You can come too. Come on, sir. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming over there. Somebody over here want to come? Come on home. Come on home. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you for coming, sweetheart. Thank you for coming. Come on, church. Praise the Lord. Come on, baby. Stretch your hands toward the altar with me right now. I want pastors and elders to come and help me. Prayer leaders, come and help me now. We're going to make sure that people are right with God. I want the church to pray for God to give these precious brothers and sisters strength today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting hearts and saving lives. Lord, it never gets old to this house. We will always make it a big deal when one Christian, one sinner becomes a Christian and turns their heart to the Lord. It's a big deal for us, Lord. It's a big deal. We pray strength on them now, Father, in Jesus' name. Strength on them now, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want the church to lift their hands and receive the anointing of deliverance now. I just want us to be a people that know how to be an atmosphere, a culture of healing and deliverance. We've been praying for that, but we're going to have to have a grace for deliverance and a grace for anointing. We're going to, get, we're going to be okay when, when, people, when people get free. It might get temporarily messy, but free lives are the agenda. Joy is coming. Joy is coming. Joy is coming. God's going to restore joy. God's going to restore joy. God's going to restore people's joy. Come on. Father, we receive the grace and the anointing for deliverance. You said in your word in Luke 4, the anointing is for delivering the captives. So today, God, I pray the grace of God, the delivering power of the Holy Ghost be upon this body. 
be upon this body, be upon the body, be upon the people. Let them be a people who administer deliverance in the name of Jesus. God will not just watch people lay in bondage and die in bondage and suffer in bondage, but you came so that people could have life more abundantly. Oh God, break every religious stronghold, every religious yoke that keep people from believing that you can deliver. I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon this church. Jesus, in your name we pray. Oh my God, somebody lift your hands and begin to praise God. Somebody lift your hands. Come on, pray. Pray with me right now. Open your mouth and just welcome the Spirit of the Lord in. In the name of the Lord, let chains be broken in this house. Let yokes be destroyed in this place. Let burdens and yokes be broken and never repaired again. I pray that the enemy would never be able to put back together the mess. God, I pray you'll deliver them, free them completely by the power of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, we worship you. Oh God, we worship you. Turn around and stretch your hands towards Chattanooga and begin to decree joy over it. Come on. We declare. Okay. Yes. Listen, I hear the Holy Spirit. Listen, everybody, before you start praying, let me give you this revelation to pray into. The Lord spoke this to me last night. Let me give you this revelation to pray into. When the Bible said great joy filled the city, the word great, you ready for this? The word great is mega. Mega joy. Come on, turn your hands toward the community right now. We decree mega joy over Chattanooga. The joy of Jesus. Come on, open your mouth and decree and declare joy. We break every suicidal, depressing, oppressing, vexing spirit in the mighty name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I bind the power of darkness. I rebuke the power of the enemy. I pray for Jesus to invade Chattanooga and that the joy of Jesus, mega joy, mega joy, mega joy, Mega joy, big joy, big, big, big joy. It's a big pinata. It's a lot of joy. It's not a trickle of joy. There is a river whose streams whereof make glad the city of our God. There is a river. There is a river whose streams whereof. There is a river whose streams make glad the city. The city will have joy. The city will have joy. Hallelujah. Somebody lift up a mighty shout. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come here, buddy, lift your hands up. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that today the joy of the Lord is his strength. Loose every part of it. Set every part of it free, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah! 
our time, if you got to go, we love you. God bless you. If you. For those of you who stand, I want to pray for one group of people today. A group of people who would say, something has attacked my joy. Now listen, there is a time of mourning. Some of you need to make sure you understand that mourning, if you go through a season of loss, God forbid somebody dies or something happens in your life, mourning and sorrow and grieving is a very natural thing. Some of you are dealing with a loss of joy that has nothing to do with grieving. It has to do with a spiritual attack. And if you need victory over something that is trying to suck the joy of life out of your heart, I want you to come stand with me on the altar right now. I know this is not everybody, but if something is attacking your joy and you want God to restore it today, I want you to come stand in the altar with me right now. Yes, come on, come on, come on, come on. Jesus, Jesus. I need you to hear me say something. Listen to me, look at me real quick. We're gonna pray. Joy is not a privilege for the elite. Joy is a reality for every citizen of the kingdom of God. You say, well, that makes it sound like I'm entitled to joy. You are. Because the king of glory has come in and taken your life. And because the king of glory lives in your heart, you are entitled to joy. It's not just a privilege you should wish for, it's a reality you should walk in. It's not something you have to aspire to or hope for. You are a child of the living God. And anything that has come in to take your joy is an illegal trespasser that is robbing you from something Jesus died to make sure you would have. You may come to this altar today and feel like you have no joy because of your financial situation. I'm gonna tell you right now, joy is not attached to what you have or don't have. I release some of you from thinking if you had more money, you'd have more joy. The devil is a liar. Joy is not attached to how much money you got and how much money you don't got. Joy is attached to knowing who you are in Christ. And today that spiritual thing that's tried to attack your heart and your mind is going to be broken in the name of Jesus. I need people to pray in the spirit right now. I need elders and pastors to get ready to help me pray. The spirit of the Lord is about to break a pinata open. It's like a, it's like a celebration. I know that's a crazy vision, but I'm going to tell you right now, when God gives you a vision and you see something, you got to release it and say it and prophesy it and let him worry about it. I believe God is about to sprinkle joy all over your lives. I believe the pinata is getting ready to break and what's been held back it's getting ready to rush in in measures that you've never felt before. Joy. Joy. I need worshipers to start worshiping Jesus right now. Just draw near to him. If you got to go, we love you. Seriously. Be blessed. There's no shame. You got to go. We love you. But I want everybody stand to begin to worship Jesus right now. I want everyone stand to begin to worship him right now. The Spirit of Christ is going to give you joy. If joy is going to break out in the city, it's going to happen first among the people of God. You're going to get your joy back. I'm just going to walk right down the line. We're going to lay hands on every one of them in the name of the Lord. Oh, come on, lift your voice, church. Just begin to ask Him for joy. Oh, in the name of Jesus, a restoration of joy. 
Spirit of heaviness, get off of her now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of heaviness, leave now. Leave. It's not in you, baby. It's just trying to attack you. And I loose you from it now. You're free. You're free. Spirit of heaviness, go from him now. Spirit of heaviness, you cannot stay in this life. This is a man of God. I declare the joy of the Lord is going to be his strength today. The joy of the Lord. Bind the spirit of heaviness. Bind the spirit of heaviness. Bind the spirit of heaviness. We lose joy now. In the name of the Lord. We lose joy over you now, sweetheart. We lose joy now over you, sir. I bind the spirit of heaviness in the name of the Lord. Go ahead, Pastor Tobin. Hallelujah. Break joy open. Break joy open. Break joy open. Woo! Loose. Joy is here. You are my joy. You are my joy. Joy is coming. Joy is here. You are my joy. You are my joy. Joy is coming. Joy is here. You are my joy. You are my joy. Joy is coming. Joy is here. You are my joy. You are my joy. You are my joy. You are my joy. this song. Pastor Jojo is going to prophesy this song. I just got a word of knowledge and I need the whole church to join me right now. Everybody left. I need you to begin to pray and bind the spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit of heaviness. No, no, no. Don't look at me. I need you right now to begin to declare that spirit of heaviness. In the name of Jesus, that spirit of heaviness is broken. It's broken now. Come on, pray church. Pray church. It's broken now. The spirit of heaviness must loose you. Looser, loose in the name of the Lord. I rebuke the spirit of heaven. No, no from her and do not return. I command her joy to be restored today. Joy is coming. Joy is coming. He will do Joy is coming. Joy is coming. Joy is here, you are my joy, you are my joy, 
Father, I declare over this mighty man of God that what the enemy attempted to do to him and the weapons that were used to try to destroy him, from this moment forward, those weapons that Satan tried to use against you will become Satan's own worst nightmare. God's going to take what was intended to destroy you and make it your greatest testimony, sir. And I declare after that you're a big, strong guy, but God said you can't handle this weight of heaviness that the enemy's tried to put on you. And I don't know your story. This is the first time we ever met, but I see religion has tried to condition you to make you think you're supposed to carry this. I loose you from that lie of religion and I declare over you that the spirit of heaviness is broken now in the name of Jesus and the joy of the Lord is coming on your life. Put it on. Put it on. Somebody put it on. Put on the garment of praise. Oh. Put on the garment of praise. Oh. Put on the garment of praise. It's your time to put on a garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Looser. Put on the garment of praise. Looser. Jesus. Put on the Self garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Weights of heaviness are coming off today. Put on. Put on the garment of praise. Put it on. Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Go from him now in the name of Jesus. Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. Put on the garment of praise. 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 You are my joy, joy is coming. Joy is here, you are my joy, you are my joy, joy is And there are some things you have been praying in silent. Things you've been saying in secret. God told me to tell you to take your heart off the willow tree. God said that that heart that he gave, there is a potent 
There is a potent worship gift in you, young lady. You have hung it up on a tree because of a season you went through. But the Spirit of Christ says to his daughter today, take off Shabaya, Shabandalisa, take it off the tree and dance again. Take it off the tree and shout again. The joy of the Lord, 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 the joy of the Lord. Put on, put on, put on.
Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. 